Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening to Equipped to Be. Everywhere I speak and everywhere I travel, parents are often asking me about curriculum, resources, online classes that they can trust, that they can trust will have information that is accurate, that is academically rigorous, that is fun, and children enjoy it. And that's why I'm so excited to be able to say that BJU Press Homeschool is partnering with equip to be to help supply you with your needs to be able to teach and train your children in the way they should go. They're a publisher of textbooks and video lessons designed specifically for homeschool families. They're committed to creating materials that deliver the educational base that is so foundational, it's solid, you can trust the information that's in it. They encourage joy in learning, and it's rooted in a solid biblical worldview. Like Proverbs 14, 6 says, knowledge is easy unto him that understands. And it's important that we teach our children to understand the world around them. Some of the best resources we could get is BJU Press Homeschool. So check it out over at ConnieAubers.com. I'll have a link to all of their products that you can find out more for your child. We've got a guest in the studio, John Lovell. You may be very familiar with him from the Warrior Poet Society. I met John at a conference we were both speaking at. We were both keynoting at a big homeschool conference here in the state of Florida. So we got to know each other there, and I got to meet a sweet wife, Rebecca, and I just knew he was somebody that we needed to have on the podcast. That you, you needed to hear from him for several reasons. If you go to his YouTube channel, I sat in preparation for the show. I just started watching video after video. And before I knew it, half my day was gone. Now, I'm not saying you have to watch a half a day like I did, but I just really enjoyed watching the videos and getting to know the message and what the purpose is of John and his family and you know, you'll see a lot of the role of men in the family and protecting your family. And so we're going to have a fun conversation. John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks so much for having me. And Connie, it was so great uh, getting to know you at this last homeschool event. We had so much fun. My wife enjoyed you immensely as well. And so uh, it's good to be here. Hello, all you listeners. You said something that had caught my attention. We were talking about social media and you were talking about living your life online versus living your life in person. And there was a statement that you made that said, you visit online, you live offline. And I don't remember when you said it, but I have to ask, could you unpack that a little bit? Sure. We're in such a digital age, and it is embarrassing to me to look sometimes at my phone stats, you know, the, the places, mm-hmm. little widget that tells you of how long you've spent online. In partial explanation and defense, in those moments where I felt embarrassed about the long amount of time, I, I could reason, oh, well, I'm, I'm at work and part of my work involves, you know, being and engaging on social media stuff. 
Uh, to be honest, there's sometimes I just get lost to scrolling away stupid stuff, whether it's just Twitter and everything's just such terrible news. And my wife had to really watch herself because she just Pinterest her life away 10 minutes at a time. And so we've both been guilty of that. And it's so easy to just come home and do what needs to be done. And then you sit down in front of the television and you watch hours of something and you don't mean to. And then you always have some type of technology dinging, buzzing, vibrating in front of you. And if you are not extremely intentional, our screens gather up all of our spare moments. You don't even go to the bathroom without your phone oftentimes in America. And so what we find is ourselves hopelessly addicted to our technology. And so my wife and I wanted to put up good guardrails so that we made sure we weren't living our lives shoulder to shoulder with our heads buried in our phones. There's so much life in front of us, and there's so much anxiety that our phones bring us. There's so much bad news. There's so much beauty up in front, you know, uh, uh, above our eye level, above our phones. I'm staring out right now at my office door, and I'm just seeing rolling grass hills with trees and my farm in the background. I'm working from home today. And it'd be so easy to just be head down and miss any of that. And so I'm doing podcasts today, and I left my phone and I walked down and I hung out with our chickens. They're always very (laughs) and dogs and our alpacas. And so it's a crazy little farm here, but we're trying to spend more time outside and looking each other eyeball to eyeball and reading stories out loud together and sharing our days, praying and doing all kinds of stuff as a family. But that is radically countercultural. It doesn't happen accidentally. No one in this day and age is going to accidentally live a you know, full, vibrant life. Instead, our technology is going to end up siphoning off little by little all of our peace and our joy and our attention. We're robbing our loved ones of a very, very critical attention. We're drying out our creative powers. We're getting more and more fearful and upset. And it's a real bad thing. So that's what I meant by it. I want to visit online. So when I, I get on my phone, my goal is to have, you know, uh, I have these tasks I need to do. And then I want to get off. I'm not just going to hang out on my phone, hopefully. So I want to live in the real world and visit online. And there's another component I would add. I actually agree with you. I would contend that cell phones are absolutely stealing our joy, our peace. They're robbing us, especially women. I mean, I have a vantage point of coming at it from a mom's perspective who's weary, you're tired, you're always looking around. You were talking about uh, your sweet wife with Pinterest. I mean, we're always looking for somebody who can do it better or do it right. And so I know the parts that we see the highlight reels and we don't really see the 50 pictures that didn't make it because they were not quite perfect. You know, the kids didn't all smile. Maybe somebody had a little attitude and they crossed their arms. And well, that one didn't go up on social media, only the happy ones. And so I would contend that cell phones and screen time can be extremely detrimental, but it also has a big influence, which kind of leads me to what God is doing with you. You have your background in the military and tactical and, and things that you had mentioned earlier, but you have a a passion for dads, for men, for for warrior men, for masculine men. And, and I don't mean rude, gruff, vulgar type men. I, I mean the kind, like you had said, a poet. And you ask your audiences, like, what is a poet? What are the traits of a poet? 
And I really enjoyed that. But I love the fact that you are speaking to men about being a man. When and why did that become such an integral part of your ministry, of your life, or your platform? Right. I felt compelled to write this book, um, The Warrior Poet Way, uh, as an offshoot of my own personal journey. Mm-hmm. As a former Army Ranger, a special operations guy, and I've uh, been fighting a good bit of my life, whether it's wrestling or martial arts or gunfighting in the deserts. And so I understood what it took to uh, survive and thrive as a warrior. I got that piece. I majored on that piece. And there's a lot of good stuff that comes with it that though it may look scary to some, it's filled with all kinds of really good pieces that our women should really want their men to have. And that's boldness and courage and leadership and long suffering and grit. It's the stuff that doesn't quit, that can carry huge amounts of weight and burdens. I mean, not physically, but more so even metaphorically and just the tasks and being able to exercise responsibility and self-autonomy. I think those things are vanishing attributes that are quickly going instinct uh, Mm. with today. And so we definitely need to be warriors in those ways. What woman doesn't want to feel safe, you know, near the man she married and loves. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we are protectors and we are providers and we are leaders. We are strong to be able to pursue our brides for life. And so that's great, but that isn't going to equal happily ever after. The warrior can oftentimes be too intense and too gruff to actually keep the relationships that they're supposed to be protecting. So a warrior can do very well in war, but how in the world can they survive peacetime? How do they speak kindly and romantically to their wife, whom they are regularly pursuing and dating for life? How can they be emotionally available for children who are going through all kinds of crazy growth rings and to be able to speak with them and a way to really mentor them patiently? That's something that the poet knows. The poet sees beauty in life and they see truth and they stand by it and seek it out. They're introspective. They're uh, lovers of other people and uh, those relationships that are closest to it. And so what I find is is that a man really needs to be fully warrior and fully poet, a lover and a fighter, not one or the other. We should be lions and lambs. Mm. In a culture where masculinity and those traits are ridiculed and mocked, that is such a refreshing message I know that there was a recent, I think it was a TikTok video, where a woman had basically talked about where are the masculine men, the men that have chivalry, the men who will pay for dinner or open your car door. And, you know, it's funny because Tom and I have been married. You got to meet him that day when I was speaking. And, you know, we've been married for 39 years. And I can honestly say he still dates me. He still makes sure to pull me out of my role, even though my children are all grown, to pull me out of that role of the cares of looking after my children, looking after my home, running the ministry that God has given us, and pulls me out so that we can reconnect. And that is an important attribute. It's something that I dearly love about my husband because I can get so 
entrenched in whatever drama is happening that day within somebody in our family. There's five kids and three are married and a couple grandbabies. So there's always something happening, but he's intentional about doing that. And I agree with you, John, women do want that. And it's just a deep longing that's part of who God made us to be. And for you to kind of embrace that and say with full confidence that we are to be lions and lambs. You've got some great endorsers of the book, and that says a lot about the people who believe in in what you're doing and what you've written and the message. And so that TikTok or that social media post really exposed exactly what I believe you're putting out into the world, and that is to cast a vision for men that know what you're being told, the demasculination of people, of men, and feminizing them, that 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 isn't really who we're made to be. That's not who God made men to be, and I know that's a, a hot-button issue. But what are some of the most important aspects? Like you talked about dating your wife. What are you seeing that is verberating in the culture with the message with the Warrior Poet Society? So are you looking for good stuff in culture or bad stuff? If it's good stuff in culture, I'm going to need <laughs> well, to get back to you. I don't see a lot of redeemable aspects in mainstream culture oh, right now. Okay, that's not encouraging. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're you're right. There is a lot of evil. But I think you're shining a light. And I think that that light is going to be bright. So yes, we do see a lot of the negative. But the characteristics, like when you're raising your children, what are you seeking to instill in them just in the dailies of life? Great question. So I want my boys to be strong in a whole different set of ways. First and foremost, I want them to have strong character. Therefore, I want them to be spiritually strong. That means these boys are being raised in the love of Jesus, who is our consummate warrior poet, and that's who we want to be just like. And so we want to tell the truth. We want to be bold and courageous in the telling of that truth, speaking the truth in love. And so we want to have good integrity, be humble, and have good character. And so first and foremost, I need my boys to be strong in that way. I want my boys also to be strong intellectually. And so we have one real great homeschooling goal, one. And that's I want my boys to love reading. They love and value reading. So last night, just like every single night, unless something's prohibiting us, I'm traveling or something, we all gather around our living room. We're all in pajamas, and I read to the family. And my wife becomes my third child in only those moments. She is definitely my bride, and she's mama, mama bear to them. She's my bride, except when it's reading time. And then I got three kids around me with smiling faces, <laughs> and we just adore <laughs> our time reading together. And so my boys love reading. And my wife right now, because my boys are younger, they're not even teenagers yet, really carries the lion's share of their education. And when they become teenagers, that's going to really pivot over to me. But in the meantime, she is doing all kinds of homeschooling activities where she is helping them fall in love with reading, putting the right books under them, and really helping the author uh, through narration and through questions and through underscoring important points, doing great amounts to foster a deep love of learning and education. And it's worked. Even a few years ago, our boys just 
lovers of reading, I would say my nine-year-old has read more books than the vast majority of college graduates. I believe them. Mm. It's not just that the common college graduate doesn't actually read much. It's just my sons have read an incredible amount already. They love reading. It's a fun thing. And so when my boys are about to go to bed every night, they have one question, how much reading? And if that <laughs> says three chapters, they'll be excited. If we say four, they will freak out and say, what? Four chapters of reading? And so they'll go off and read it. So reading is even a reward at the end of the night. And so it all started when they were very young and we were just made a habit of, of reading. So I want them to be strong morally, spiritually. I want them to be strong intellectually. I want to be strong physically as well. My boys are going to one day be taking care of a family and they're going to be having to earn a living, maybe by the sweat of their brow, especially when they're younger. Uh, And I want them to be good protectors of the innocent. And that means they become strong and dangerous in the right kind of sense. And so I want them to be strong socially, right? Knowing how to interact with other people and resolve conflict and to lead men. And so in all these ways, we have been working very hard to raise our boys in our warrior poet way. Well, I have to say, in order for that to happen, there is an action that moms, that wives have to play. And we have to let our husbands lead. We have to let our husbands. That doesn't mean we can't speak. It doesn't mean that we don't have anything to say. It doesn't mean we just do whatever. But we do have to let our husbands lead our families. My daughter-in-law was over the other day with our grandbaby, and my son was there. And they had gone to the beach. I live in Florida. And so we go to the beach, and you have your rolling hills. We do not have rolling hills. Uh, We have gators and sharks. But they were at the beach. And one of the things she said, John, she said, well, he took him out, and he's a year old. He took him out in the ocean. And for all you listeners, just know they were careful. I know y'all are going to comment, but he took him out in the ocean. because goes, I just had to turn away. And I'm like, why? And she goes, well, because the waves would hit. <laughs> and I'm like, and? And she says, I just was nervous. And I said, that's normal. I mean, that's normal. That's your baby. You birthed that little boy. And it's normal for you to fear. But he's teaching his son to be adventurous and to be explorers and risk takers. And that's a beautiful, lovely quality. And I commended her for not getting on uh, her husband, my son, for taking him out and experiencing life. And so I have to just say, for all of you that are listening, and I and I know it's hard. It's hard to sometimes be quiet. We bite our lip sometimes when we think, "Oh, somebody's going to get hurt uh, if we're out and we're teaching them," you know, hammering or whatever it is. And our at our house, it was chainsawing because hurricanes would always wipe us out with trees. But it's important to becoming a man of integrity with character, a man that our kids look up to and respect and want to listen to. And, you know, you had said your kids are little and I can say they grow up. And when you turn the tassel and they move away, we want our children to call us. We want our children to want to know what we think about something, to seek counsel, not because they're not capable of making a decision, but because there's so much love and respect and they know that we are for them, that they just naturally want to be part of our lives where we do life together. And all of what I've heard you say is coming from that place of 
love and wanting to be the man God called you to be, to be the husband, to be the father, to be the provider, to be the leader in the, our community. And, and I just kind of wanted to add that because so oftentimes, John, I feel like women can stymie their husbands from being the men that in their heart they want to be. And I don't know if you have a thought on that or not. I do. And I wanted on behalf of all fathers to thank you for counseling your daughter-in-law there to, hey, back up, let him do his thing. Because a mother has wonderful instincts on how to nurture and to protect a little boy. She wants to protect her little boy. And so when dad takes to the waves and does something dangerous, mom's instincts of, no, 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 protect my boy. And like, well, he's not trying to protect the boy. He's trying to make a man. And he has instincts too. And he knows naturally some ways that are required to make them strong. Now, if a mom wins all these engagements and shields the little boy from the man of the house, what happens is that little boy may get older and one day he can shave and drive, but he will remain perpetually a little coddled boy. You will literally ruin him. Women cannot make men. You just can't do it. You're not a man. You can't do it. Men make men. That's it. And so you have to be extremely careful to not run interference too often with your husband because he's onto something that you do not necessarily understand and is goes against the grain. I've, I've, my wife and I laugh on this, and she's so good about doing exactly what you did because my job is to grow them up and make them strong enough that they can carry mm. their own burdens and the burdens of others. Her job is to keep them alive so that they make it to that. Age. I was going to say she has the you know the band aids and the gauze strips and <laughs> absolutely. And so what we find is between the tension of a mother's good instincts and uh, how she's built and the father's as well, you find a beautiful balance. But if a dad always wins the engagements, then they're overly strengthened, undernurtured, mm. and they're going to be brutes. They're going to be tough as nails and good for nothing. Oh, and similar, so well said. if the mom wins all these engagements and dad doesn't get to have his due, they're going to get older, but they will be spineless. They're going to be little Napoleons thinking the whole world is about them. They'll be coddled and good for nothing as well. And so it is wonderful. God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave a mother and a father. And in that tension of raising them, a child grows healthy. Oh, what a great way to wrap up our segment. There is balance. There is roles. Mom brings something different to the table than the dad does. And I know a lot of you are listening and you may be single and you would love to have a warrior a poet in your home, in your child's life, and you don't. And I just want to remind you that God is your refuge, that God is a father to the fatherless. I was not raised with a dad, and I longed, boy, did I long to have a dad in my life. That was very difficult for all of my life, and it was even more difficult when I got married because you know, I didn't know what any of that looked like. I was raised differently. So I understand if that's where you are and that's the longing of your heart. Go to the Lord. Take it to Him in prayer. Look for men 
that could mentor your children. Maybe there are some in your area, but I encourage you to go over to the Warrior Poet Society and you can find John and and his team over on all the social platforms. He's got a new book coming out. You don't want to miss it. John, tell us the name of your book again and where people can buy it. And then friends, it's all going to be in the show notes, but John, tell us that part of it. Sure. The book is called The Warrior Poet Way. I bled over this book for years and it is finally out. But (laughs) folks like anything of what I'm saying on all these issues, this is our manifesto. This is going to distill it even more clear and with far more depth. So it's something that'd be great for husbands and wives alike to understand men so that we can help press into the warrior poet way and wives that you can help encourage us in that pursuit and understand with greater clarity how to really nurture our kids. And I think the book really in some ways wrote itself because it's so needed and I think there's things that I am saying that I just don't hear enough people saying. Anyway, the book is The Warrior Poet Way. You can check it out at thewarriorpoetway.com and uh, go ahead and you know, get a copy. I appreciate it. And uh, if you're looking for warrior poets to marry single gals, well, help spread the movement and we're, we're growing. That's we're right. Growing That's right. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for spreading the message. Thanks for being an instrument and truly just encouraging men that are looking to be men that are looking for others that are like-minded and for having such a passion for our society and our culture. And God's not done. God is in the redeeming. He restores what is broken. And I believe that the message that you share can have a huge impact. So thank you again for coming on the show. Friends, thank you for tuning in to Equip to Be, and we will see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equip to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.